Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a seat. We'll try that again. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hey, I want to add uh, to Brian's gratitude for your prayerful consideration of our G4 year-end giving challenge. What you've seen in videos is just a little bit of the scope of PCC, and if you've been here for the weeks, you've seen us uh, meeting people's needs and reaching people with the gospel uh, as close as Redwood City. Uh, You saw a couple weeks ago, uh, we adopted an unreached people group. That might be a new name for you, but those are people who've never heard the name Jesus, lived on this planet for thousands of years, never heard the name Jesus. 10 years ago, we started praying for them and through an indigenous uh, people in Ethiopia, introduced this group to, uh, to Jesus, and you saw a baptism service with 1,200 of the Taposa after 10 years of praying, strategizing, uh, meeting Christ. And so, um, as one person said, PCC, we, we play above our weight class. We fight above our weight class. And I want to thank you for that. Through us, God is exponentially bringing the gospel all over the place. And we are hoping in 2020 to do that like never before. So thank you for your prayerful consideration of that. And thank you, Photo Sisters, for being here today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. As we dig now, it's already been great. It's been unbelievable, but there's nothing like your word. It is sweeter than honey. It's sweeter than uh, the greatest Christmas candy. And we're so hungry this morning. More and more desperate than we realize. So Jesus, emerge through the scriptures, show us yourself. Show us what we are holding on to so we can let go and allow your presence to fill every aspect of our lives. Pray this in Christ's name. Everyone said? So it probably happened before this time, but this Christmas picture stands as an iconic picture in our family of a time when Gary, dad, realized he had no control. Please don't mock me for every little bit of hair I was holding on to on that head. <laughs> and please don't take a picture. There we go. <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know, it looks good. Everyone's smiling. But prior to that picture, we took about four shots. The girls were all squirrely. This was uh, about 15 years ago. And uh, the daughter on my lap, Mary Courtney, was uh, nervous and was just, no, I don't want to smile. Smile. I don't want to smile. And then off camera, I'm like, you smile or I'm going to spank you. (laughs) Click, and there's the picture. Interestingly, the card read this. Can we go to the next slide? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And the minute the picture was over, everyone broke out in tears. And my wife turned to me and said, way to go, pastor. (laughs) You did really well on that one. I'm curious, how many of you would say that at least one area of your life that you don't have control? Or one area you love to control? You love to control, okay? How many of you were tempted to raise your spouse's hand right there, right? (laughs) 
We live in this freakish desire to control things, right? And control is a myth. It's a Western ideology. It's a value around here, but it is a myth. Let's just take a little test. You may have control issues if you repeatedly press the elevator button to make it go faster as you're going up a building. <laughs> you may have control issues if you've never let your dog off leash or if you've never let your kids off leash. If you've never let your spouse off leash, you certainly have control issues. Uh, you may have control issues if you order at Starbucks a grande two and a half pump vanilla whole milk, 190 degree, add whip latte in a venti cup. You're a control freak. <laughs> Here's our big idea today, okay? We don't always have the power to control, but we do always have the power to surrender. We don't have the power to control all the time. There's so many things out of control. Control is a myth, but we do always have the power to surrender. And Mary's going to see that today. Are your Bibles open to Luke chapter 1? Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Are you open to the power of the word of God to penetrate your heart? Are you? All right, four of us are. Here we go. Please be open. God wants to do something. We're not just here to engage in religious activity to make us feel better. We're here to be transformed. And the word of God is opened in community that's ripe for transformation. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Okay, so we're talking about Christmas presents. We're talking about Emmanuelism every week when God comes in and interrupts human relationships. And we're talking about Mary today. And you may think, oh, Mary, this one's easy for her. She's the Virgin Mary. There's statues of her all over the world. There's a cathedral named after her in San Francisco, right? But let's remember, at this point, she's not that. I mean, she is a virgin, but at this point, she's a 13 or 14-year-old girl living in a rural village of 120 to 400 people, depending on the commentator you read. Really rural. She was in the village that you never went to. You just passed through. Uh, and it wouldn't have been much, but she had dreams in that village. Being married, existing, having a good life. She's engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel, that's an angel, appears to her and says, greetings, literally says, grace, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Look at these next two words, confused and disturbed. Everyone say, confused and disturbed. The word means she's disoriented. She's deeply troubled. Mary tried to, what's the next word, everybody? Think. think. That term, in the original language, it's an accounting term. She's making an intellectual audit. She's disoriented and she's thinking through what is going on right now. She's adding things up. It actually goes against the notion that to follow Christ, you have to have blind faith. To follow Christ, you have to throw your brain out right at the doorway. Mary, uh, who uh, a major periodical, Christianity Today, this issue, called The First Christian. She's doing this mental audit. She's thinking through, how is this happening? What does the angel mean? Maybe today you're confused about something going on in your life. 
I wish this wasn't happening. I never thought I'd experience that. That's, that's human experience, right? If we could open it up, we all could point to something of some degree that we're confused about. Or maybe you're disturbed. Christmas tends to heighten both these realities in our life. I can't handle this. I don't know what I'm going to do. Why in the world is this happening? I never thought at this point I'd be experiencing this thing right now. It could be a relationship or a lack of. It could be a diagnosis. It could be your financial situation, a career you thought you'd have. It could be the Raiders season. It confuses and disturbs me. <laughs> Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You're going to conceive and you're going to give birth to a son and he'll give him the name, you will give him the name Jesus. He'll be very great and he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom, what church, will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Wait, this isn't convenient. I've got a five-year plan. If this happens, I'm going to be pregnant on my wedding day. I want to look good in my wedding photos. Stop. How is this going to happen? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called, what? The Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son, and she's now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. I jump versions at this point to the English Standard Version, because I like how it says, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Then she quotes the Beatles. Let it be. Everyone say, let it be. Let it be, let it be to me according to to your word. Let's go back to our big idea. We don't always have the power to control, but we do always have the power to surrender. We don't have the power to control, to make him do what you want him to do, to make her behave like you want her to behave, to finally get your finances in line, to get hired with that company, to get your health where you want it to be, to beat aging, to have your kids do everything you want them to do. We don't have the power to control. Control is a myth. It is confusing and disturbing to believe otherwise. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold, it's her white flag moment, the servant of the Lord, let it be. See, at that moment, she had to choose. It's the same choice you and I have every day. And it's a choice between life and death. And I don't mean that literally. I mean what is life given to you and what erodes life from you. She had to choose between her dreams and God's destiny. She had to choose between her plans and God's purpose. She had to choose between her control and God's calling. You have that same choice too with some aspect of your life. We don't always have the power to control, but we do always have the power to surrender. See, even though Mary didn't understand the plan, she trusted her father had a purpose. 
What is it in your life, we're only uh, 10 minutes in, what is it in your life in this message, the Holy Spirit's been working on you about an area you're holding on to? You love the Lord, I don't doubt that for those of you I know and the faces I see. It's not an issue of that, but it's like, God, you can have all of my life except this area. That's mine. And you're partially surrendered. Partial surrender is an oxymoron in the kingdom of God. You're going to hear this down the road, but I'll just say it right now. 85% surrender is 100% short of God's standard. And I don't say that to raise a bar that we can never reach because with the Spirit of God, we just read Luke 137. With the Word of God, all things are possible. God wants to meet you in that area that you're white knuckling so that you would raise a white flag and surrender. I want to bring us back to another woman who had that same choice. Control, surrender. I'm talking way back in Genesis chapter 3. Our first mother, Eve, faced with uh, a situation where God clearly gave her boundaries. And then the enemy came to question God's word. He always does, right? What did Abel, uh, Gabriel say? For no word of God, the word of God will never fail. What will our enemy, our spiritual enemy do? Always call him to question the word of God. Did God really say? Genesis chapter three, verse one, it's on the screen. Now the serpent said to the woman, did God really say? I hear that voice in that question all the time. Not, not from other people, but from the spiritual enemy of my life. Did God really say lay down your life and serve your wife? Did God really say go to prayer? Did God really say his word can be trusted? Did God really say stay away from that? Did God really say engage in that? The enemy will always question the word of God. Do you have some, did God really say temptations? Am I the only one? Okay, thank you. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. If you touch it, you'll die. Uh, parenthetically, God never said if you touch it, you'll die. Eve was a little, little, um, a little negligent with the word of God. Because there's power in the word. You'll certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. See, Eve faced a choice. And she chose Eve and her three-pound brain as more accurate descriptor of, of reality than God's word. When God's word runs contrary to your senses, who gets control? Don't run over that question too quickly. When God's word runs contrary to your senses, who gets control? See, God always wants to bring us to a place of surrender, my friends. 
And just when you think you've surrendered all, God will go deeper and say, there's a deeper surrender for you. Not because he wants to cage us in. His goal for us is always life. And those areas that we're holding back aren't life-giving. Anything you hold back from God isn't giving you life. I'll say it again. 85% surrender is 100% short of God's design. See, surrender is a battle term, my friends. It implies giving up all rights to the conqueror. Surrendering God works the same way. God has a plan for our lives, and surrendering to him means we set aside our plans to embrace his. That is the choice that Mary had. We love Mary, right? Our culture goes nuts about Mary. Some cultures go too far. Some cultures don't go far enough. But what we can all agree on is at this point, she set aside her plans, I believe, and made the most courageous declaration in all of Scripture from any lips outside of Jesus. I am the Lord's servant. The the technical term, the, the literal Greek term is this. I am his slave. She gets out her checkbook, writes it to God, signs it Mary, leaves the amount blank, and says, here you go, God, spend me any way you wish. I'm so challenged by that. God has a plan for our lives, and surrendering means we set aside our plans to embrace his. The good news is God's plans are always in our best interest. He conquers us to bless us. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I've been thinking about this a lot. We've been preparing for this series for a long time, and I can just hold up a mirror to my life and tell you I had to ask myself this question. Could it be my desire to control, and I am a control freak, could it be my desire to control is rooted in a lack of faith? I know this sounds crazy because everything in our culture tells us you got to hustle. If it's going to be, it's up to you. Jesus says something diametrically opposed to everything our culture says when it comes to your spiritual life and how you function. Look what he said in this passage in Matthew chapter 10. If you cling to your life, what will happen, church? Lose it. But if you give up your life to me, and there's no greater example of that in Scripture outside of Jesus than Mary and what we just read. Let her stand as an example to us. If you give up your life to me, if you quit white knuckling and raise the white flag, what will happen? We'll find it. Let it be. Surrender is a one-time decision backed by a daily, moment-by-moment choice. It's a daily choice. Think about Mary. Every time she chose to surrender, she saw the faithfulness of God. Because on the other side of surrender, is God's faithfulness. On the other side of the surrender is God's faithfulness. Look at this. She's a virgin. She's told she's going to get pregnant. And I'm just being honest with you, okay? And, and I've said this before. I'm dating Anne, and she comes to me before we're married in our engagement, says, hey, got to tell you, I'm pregnant, and the Holy Spirit did it. I'm like, yeah, right, right. That's what she had to face. Mary says, let it be. Let it be that the rest of my life, growing up in this village of 120 to 400 people, people are whispering behind my back. Let it be that my son forever has a reputation 
of being that child who was born out of wedlock. Let it be. And what does the angel do? What's the faithfulness? Gabriel goes to Joseph in a dream and says, this whole thing is legit. Take her as your wife. Faithfulness. She surrenders. Faithfulness. The rest of her life, people in the engagement are whispering, oh, Mary, oh, yeah, did you see her donkey at Joseph's house till two in the morning? We know what was going on there. And what happens? God sends her to Elizabeth, and she enters in, and Elizabeth declares, yes, God is faithful. This is legitimately from the Lord. You are carrying the Lord in you. Surrender, faithfulness. Think about her, nine months pregnant, riding on a donkey. There's no room. It's far from ideal. She's trusting God. And what does God do? He provides a cave next to farm animals. And who shows up? Shepherds to tell her the story. And she says, oh, yes, oh, yeah, that's right. God is with us here. And then Herod gets word of this. What would you do if the leader of your country wanted to kill your son? And all the armies are looking for him. They flee. They have to flee. And every day on the run, refugees, they're saying, God, we got to trust you. We're being faithful. We're trusting you. We're trusting you. And they run to Africa. How do you pay for yourself as a refugee? God sends wise people, wise men, gold, frankincense, myrrh, to fund the whole trip. On the other side of surrender is faithfulness. I could go through her whole life, but fast forward to Gethsemane. And let's not look at Mary. Let's look at Jesus in the garden his whole life was one of surrender as well. And on the garden, he is under such stress, wrestling with the same choice Eve had, the same choice Mary had, same choice you have, and now the same choice Jesus had. And he says, Father, if there's a plan B at this point, I know we talked about this from eternity past, but at this moment, taking on the sin of the world, if there's a plan B, I'm all in. Look what he says. If this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, let your will, what? The same word in the original language that Mary used with the angel. Let it be. And what happened after that surrender? Are we not resting for 2,000 years in the faithfulness of God because Jesus surrendered? I just wonder down through your legacy, I wonder in the relationships that matter most to you, what is the faithfulness that will be the ripple effect that God wants to do in your life? Right now you see it as a choice and you're white knuckling something like, I can't give this up. I don't want to let it go. And God's going, oh, if only you would surrender. There's amazing faithfulness that will run through generations if you just let it go and let it be. So I want to ask you straight up, what are you trying to control that God wants you to surrender? You have a green sheet in your notes. I think it's green. Did I get that right? Yeah. I want, to grab, I want you to grab a pen. And while I'm talking, I want to encourage you to write. Everyone doesn't have to write, but this is for you. Because in a minute, we're going to have a response around here with this sheet. It's between you and God, I promise you. We're not going to embarrass you. But what are you trying to control that God wants you to surrender? It could be a relationship. 
It could be your marriage or an aspect of it. It could be a hurt, a hang-up, a habit. It could be a child you're aching for. In one way or another, a child you can't have, a relationship you don't have. It could be a bad diagnosis. It could be your finances, an addiction. It could be the next 10 days having that perfect Christmas and you're ruining everyone else's Christmas because you want the perfect Christmas. It could be the pain of what Christmas means this year because of who's not going to be at that Christmas table. Whatever it is, I want to invite you You're white-knuckling it. You think holding on will make it better. Everyone, look right here, please. I'm just telling you. Holding on is making it worse. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting people who love you. And here's the worst part of it. Your holding on is keeping God away. God is saying, I will save whatever you offer to me. Quit white-knuckling Open up, give it to God. Give it to God. Let's learn from Mary. What I love about Mary is this. When the angel appeared to her and said, the Lord is with her. Who's Jesus? He's called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I hope you feel that today. I hope, I hope this whole service has you feel about that. And if I could just share the heart of our staff this morning as pastors, we met early down there. We prayed over you. We love you. We love being your pastors. But the one thing we can't control is you. We can't control the amount of surrender you'll have. We can't control your relationships. We can't control who will volunteer on Christmas Eve and this incredible gatherings we're going to have. We can't control who gives the G4 challenge and who doesn't. We can't control who's praying over their blessed list for neighbors, families, and friends who don't know Christ. We can't control the amount of white-knuckling you do versus surrender. But we prayed this morning that God, this Holy Spirit, would move, create an incredible spirit of freedom and surrender. So whatever you're holding on to, you're willing to let go of. Because it's a path to life. God can do way more through our surrender than we ever could through our control. Father, I ask that you would do what only you can do today. Work in the hearts of my friends, brothers and sisters and others that you love so much. Reveal your Christmas presence, that you're with us, you're good, you're here. As we're praying, nobody looking around, those of you who'd say, I need to surrender something today. God, help me to surrender this person, this situation, this aspect of my character that's out of my control, even though I'm trying to hold on to it, this burden, whatever it is, help me surrender it to you. If that's you in faith, in prayer, as an act of worship or an act of war, would you lift your hand? I have something I need to surrender today. My hand's lifted too. Oh, Father. We raise the white flag. We want you to have all of us. It's scary and exhilarating to see how this worked out in the life of Mary. Thank you that you care so much about us that we would have life. So we open our palms. And for those who raise their hands, 
Lord, meet them in this area of surrender gently because they're willing. Lift their fingers away from this. Take it and do way more than we ever could. Some of you, while you're praying, something's been happening this whole service. You're sensing the love of God. That's his Christmas presence. The truth is, and please listen in while your heads are bowed, just, just focus on what I'm about to say. This is the good news that causes great joy for all people. God left heaven to come to earth for you. And you've been running from God he did the amazing. He, he left heaven to run you down. Now hear this, because I'm going to quote scripture right now. John 3, 17. Not to judge you, but to save you and love you. Jesus became human to tell you no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how dark your past is, no matter how many questions you have, if you would turn to me, Jesus says, surrender your life to me. I'll forgive your sins and make you brand new. Not just a better version of you. I'll make you a new you. Today, you sense the love of God. You want to surrender. If you could say to God, no more control. I'm not giving you a thing. I'm giving you my life. Forgive my sins. I surrender my life. I give it to you, Jesus. Would you lift your hand so I could pray for you? Don't be shy. Just lift it up. I'm giving you my life. Awesome. Lift it up. I'm giving you my life today. Yes. We're a family and families pray together. So let's all pray together. These words aren't magical, but pray after me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I raise the white flag and surrender today. Forgive all my sins. Make me new. Jesus, be first in my life. My Lord, my Savior, my friend, I give all I am to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone say amen. amen. We're going to have a time of response. Surrender blesses God. He loves that. It's all he wants from you and me is surrender. If you wrote something down on this card, we're going to invite you as we sing now to come forward. We've got a manger here. I invite you just to drop this in the manger as an act of surrender to physically tell yourself of something you did spiritually and emotionally just now. And as you leave, we want to encourage you to grab an ornament. Just a little ornament. I got two here. That's okay. Like that. As a reminder in the next 10 days, put it somewhere that you can see it. Tape it to a mirror. Put it in your, I don't know, refrigerator. Well, that'd be weird. But put it somewhere you're going to see it as a reminder, hey, on December 15th, I surrendered that to the Lord. And God, I want to surrender it again and again and again. We're going to worship Jesus, not just through singing, but giving of ourselves. If you prayed with me that second time as we leave here today, there's a welcome home table and there's a card there and a book called Going Forward. Grab that. It'll help you grow in your Christian life. Merry Christmas, everybody.
God bless you as we're a church that surrenders. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.